Welcome to a brand new edition of Problematic Women. I'm Lauren Evans. And I'm Virginia Allen. And also joining us today is Daily Signal journalist, Mary Margaret Olihan. Mary Margaret, thanks so much for joining us again. Well, thank you both so much for having me. <laughs> so we are recording at a little bit of a funky time this 12 afternoon. 12.56 p.m. When most people are eating lunch. Or have finished eating lunch. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I think we're all a little bit hangry. Mm, a little bit. But we're powering through. <laughs> we are, quote unquote, powering through. <laughs> what, are, what are those go-to snacks that you all have in those moments where you're like, if I don't eat something, I'm, I'm going to die? Oh, I just, I just need to eat. I, <laughs> like, it doesn't matter what it is. I just need it. No, I just never have any. And then I'm upset and I, I get more upset. <laughs> and then I go eat lunch and I'm fine. <laughs> like a slow progression. Yeah, yeah. I packed a salami sandwich and I have a bag of chips. Mm-hmm. I have a little side salad, a Diet Dr. Pepper. And wow. that's all like 10 feet away. <laughs> Yum. I know. Isn't that like... So close yet so far. Oh, there's Yum. just something too about a salami sandwich. It's just so comforting. Yeah, salami is amazing. Yeah. I've not had salami... Well, actually, that's not true. I did have it over Christmas. It's mm. delicious. Like with cheese, crackers, a little charcuterie mm. action going on. No, get so, this. So this is how I like my salami sandwich. Salami, uh-huh. mayonnaise, bread, Ooh. and end of list. That's uh, it. Ranch, yeah. not mayonnaise. Really? Interesting. Ranch. Wow. Over mayonnaise every day. Really? On your yeah. sandwich? Yeah. Yes. Wow. You're I'm a visionary. <laughs> Charting the future. I'm not actually. My lunch today was disgusting, and I really hope Virginia didn't notice it. it was, you already ate? Yes. Oh. No, it was just small. It was like, dang, Mary Margaret, you're being so healthy. It was like lettuce and tomatoes. <laughs> no, no, no. It was a hamburger, which I cooked last oh, night. I didn't see that And that part. went on my salad, and John Pop saw it, actually. but um, Our producer, John Pop. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it, was, it was sad. It was not. It was not good. I mean, it works. You know, yeah. you're like, you got some proteins and vegetables. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's so healthy. Like no pinch. carbs. I feel like we're making all of our listeners so hungry right now. <laughs> and I just apologize. <laughs> all right. Well, let's forge ahead uh, so that then we can all have lunch. <laughs> all right, Lauren, what do we have queued up? Up on today's Problematic Women, we break down a few of the COVID-19 conspiracy theories that have actually turned out to be true. Plus, swimmer and Olympic gold medalist Michael Phelps says sports need to be played on a quote-unquote even playing field. When asked about a biological male swimmer competing with women. And March for Life is tomorrow. Learn why a D.C. restaurant canceled a pro-life group's breakfast reservation before the event. And as always, we'll crown our Problematic Woman of the Week. Each week on Problematic Women, we sort through the news to find stories that are of particular interest to conservative-leaning or problematic women, those whose views and opinions are often excluded by those on the so-called feminist left. If you are a problematic woman or just someone who supports strong, independent women, please consider supporting us by leaving a review or a rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and encouraging others to subscribe. It really does make a difference. All right, let's get to it. It was just about 700 days ago that Americans were told that we just needed 15 days to slow the spread of COVID-19, and we retreated into our houses to binge Netflix and hang out on Zoom. The messaging around COVID-19 has changed more times than we can count, and many of these quote-unquote conspiracy theories about masks or the vaccine have now been proven to be true. Mary Margaret has been working on a Daily Signal video highlighting some of these facts and theories. So Mary Margaret, what gave you the idea to produce such a video? 
Well, Lauren, we've seen so many different COVID conspiracies that actually turned out to be true. And the people that were saying these conspiracies this whole time felt crazy or they felt like they were just, you know, embarrassing themselves saying what was actually mm-hmm. reality. And so now basically 700 days after the 15 days to slow the spread, now all these fake these COVID conspiracy theories are actually true. So that's why I'm calling them fake COVID conspiracy theories because they actually are realities. And there's so many of them that I was like, Dang it. <laughs> we need a video. We need to do a video talking about all of these things because, you know, a lot of people know, but then when you put it all together in one place, it's there for them and they can share it with their friends and say, look, like this is, isn't this ridiculous? There's all these things that we've been talking about this whole time. Here's just a whole slew of them. Yeah. I was looking at the list you've compiled and it is like, oh my goodness. Like, yes, you know all these things, but seeing it all compiled, it's like, Wow, this is a long list. Yeah, it makes you a little mad, doesn't it? It does. All these things that we've been told that were nonsense are actually true. Yeah. So let's go ahead and and dive in to some of these quote-unquote conspiracy theories, starting with vaccine mandates. So in December 2020, President Biden was asked by the press if he thought that the vaccine should be mandatory. Here's what he said. No, I don't think it should be mandatory. I wouldn't demand to be mandatory, but I would do everything in my power. Just like I don't think masks have to be made mandatory nationwide. I'll do everything in my power as the president of the United States to encourage people to do the right thing. And when they do it, demonstrate that it matters. But this year, the Biden administration did exactly what Biden said they would not do and mandated that healthcare workers and U.S. companies with more than 100 employees must get vaccinated. Now, the Supreme Court just blocked the Biden administration from enforcing the mandate on businesses and organizations. But healthcare workers who choose not to get vaccinated could still lose their jobs if they don't qualify for a medical or religious exemption. So what do all of you think about the Supreme Court's decision to stop the Biden vaccine mandate from taking effect for businesses? It's good. Yeah. <laughs> Period. Right there. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I it, I was interested because in speaking with a couple different um, attorneys, we did an interview on the Daily Signal podcast with Jay Sekulow, who heads the American Center for Law and Justice. Um, and this was his prediction that the Supreme Court would likely rule that OSHA's mandate for small businesses, that that would be, you know, essentially done away with and ruled to be unconstitutional and that then it was likely, though, because it was a separate ruling for healthcare workers, that that mandate would stay in place. And I'm I'm no legal expert, so I don't understand all of the details, but I think it's interesting that from, from a legalese perspective that the way these mandates were written for those that are really familiar with kind of the case law and, and all of these things that essentially what they predicted ended up coming true. Yeah, that's super interesting. It's also really scary that three justices voted to uphold the mandates mm-hmm. and the fact that three justices thought that this random regulatory agency could tell employers that they have to mandate medical issues with their employees and mm-hmm. the fact that a lot of Americans were just okay with it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think people got distracted by COVID itself, because you, you know you can point out, and a lot of the arguments before the justices were, but look at how bad COVID is. Like we need to take this measure because this is an extreme situation, and and people are are, are dying from COVID, and so many people are are getting sick. But the reality is that the justice's responsibility is to look at the law and what is legal, and that is their frame, that is their scope that they look at, and they can't be distracted by you know statistics and this and that and the other thing. Yeah. 
Seven hundred million people. <laughs> it's crazy. It's so crazy. Another theory that's proven to be flawed is that we were told that a vaccine would end COVID-19. The message was that if you got the vaccine, you would not get COVID. Well, we probably all know at least one person who's vaccinated who got COVID. We have a colleague who just keeps getting COVID. <laughs> Poor person. <laughs> she's fine. She's, yeah, totally, she's fine, totally fine. But she has had, I think, every variant. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and we know that Biden, Dr. Fauci, and many other health officials said repeatedly that the vaccine would stop transmission. Take a listen. You're okay. You're not going to you're not going to get COVID if you have these vaccinations. These vaccines are highly, highly effective. Vaccinated people do not carry the virus, don't get sick. They're really, really good against variants. Vaccinated Americans can still get COVID, as we all know, though their symptoms are usually less severe and they're less likely to die from the virus. As Fauci said in January, Omicron, with its extraordinary, unprecedented degree of efficiency of transmissibility, will ultimately find just about everybody. I like how your Dr. Fauci tried to come out there. <laughs> I was just struggling with these massive words that he knows that nobody understands. I am the science. <laughs> And then you have President Biden saying as recently as January 13th that, quote, this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated, ignoring the many, many vaccinated Americans who have contracted COVID. And of course, we could talk about masks and all the mixed messaging about wear a mask, any mask. No, cloth masks don't work. And when Senator Tom Cotton suggested that COVID might have originated in a Chinese lab, he was heavily criticized But now we know that scientists consulting with the U.S. government early in the pandemic believed that the coronavirus may have originated in a Wuhan lab. I could go on and on, but I'm curious. What do you guys think the changed messaging and the conspiracy theories that have been proven to be accurate reveal? So I I think that this is really a classic situation of don't believe everything you hear. We have learned so much about COVID over the past two years experts were making these very authoritarian statements towards the beginning. Now we found out some of those statements were not right. Big shocker. So be be a little bit slow to, to quote unquote, believe the science. Well, science changes. Well, and it makes me think it's an Obama official. I can't remember his name, but it, he said, never let a crisis go to waste. Right. <laughs> and the left is just using COVID and, and I am the science, Dr. Fauci, to put Controls on America that they wanted to have, you know, all this time. They want to control what how what we can put in our body and how we can put in our body. They want to control our employers and how they mandate us. They, they're they so excited that they finally have this opportunity to do what they want. And it's just so frustrating to see Americans kind of roll over and go with it when we should look at this and like, no, like this is so huge. Right. This yeah. is a virus that's serious and we should take serious and people have died and it's very sad. But as as Americans and as humans, like we take risks every day, and the government can't save us from the virus. You know, right? Like, no, like, that's yeah. not their job. Yeah, that's no, not their job. I'm going to go even more radical here, and wow. you know, like <laughs> into it. <laughs> I'm just I've been very radicalized by COVID, and you know, we we all started from this place of like, oh my gosh, we're all in this together. 15 days of slow to spread. Washing our groceries. Our yeah, <laughs> wash your groceries. Stay home. I went home to my parents' house, and I was like, this is it. I'm going to weather out this storm. And I got there and their town was just, it was so chill. They were like, yeah, there's the pandemic. Let's be careful, but also let's live our lives. And I was coming from D.C. where everything was so crazy and everyone was losing their minds. And I was like, this is reality. (laughs) It's okay out here. And just throughout the course of the pandemic, now I'm like, 
I have a lot less respect for people in 2022 who are blindly following the government and doing whatever they're told. We've been through a lot. And if that is what you're still doing, I'm sorry. I just... I'm over it. (laughs) My my sisters came and visited me this weekend in D.C. and it was very cold. Like it was like 20 degrees. And one of my sisters would put on her mask to keep her face warm. And I literally looked around and said, I'd rather be cold than look like a leftist. (laughs) Oh, Oh, no. Yeah, no. That is like the only thing masks are great for in the winter when you're outside is like it's a nice little extra layer. Yeah. Yeah, we need to get a mask made for March for Life when we're all outside. Like, oh gosh, I'm only so wearing cold. this because I'm cold. So cold. Or just be like, Fauci says it doesn't work, so I can wear it. <laughs> you really should, though, in between each point, you should just have Dr. Fauci come on screen and say, I am the science. <laughs> I'm so excited for this video to come out. It will be releasing soon on the Daily Signal YouTube channel. So be sure to look out for it, Mary Margaret. Well done putting this together. That is so nice. Thank you. (laughs) All right. Well, now stay tuned because up next we talk about swimmer and Olympic gold medalist Michael Phelps' comments that sports should be played on an even playing field. But first, I want to tell you all about a super fun way you can stay connected with problematic women throughout the week. We have an Instagram account. You can catch highlights from the show, fun reels, inspiring social graphics, and stay informed on what we are covering on the show all by following the Problematic Women Instagram account. And I love connecting with so many of you on Instagram. Send me a DM if you haven't already. And be sure to follow Problematic Women. Just look for that bright pink logo. A few weeks ago, we talked on the show about the University of Pennsylvania swimmer who goes by the name Leah Thomas. Thomas is a biological male who identifies as a female and competed on the men's swim team for three years before switching to compete on the women's team. Thomas switched to the female team in 2020 and has been dominating competition since breaking two national records in December. In another meet, Thomas again finished first in several categories winning the 200 and 500-yard freestyle. And according to the National Collegiate Athletic Association, what Thomas has done is perfectly fine. The NCAA – oh, I didn't even know that's what the NCAA stood for. It's kind of long. National Collegiate Athletic Association. Yeah, there's a reason why people say NCAA. (laughs) (laughs) The NCAA transgender policy allows biological males to compete on female teams after one year of testosterone suppression treatment. But even though the NCAA says it's fair, not all athletes are in agreement. And this week, famed swimmer and the most decorated Olympian of all time, Michael Phelps, was asked what he thought about Thomas competing alongside women during an interview on CNN. Here's what he had to say. I believe that we all should feel comfortable with who we are in our own skin. Um, But I think sports should all be played at an even playing field. So Michael Phelps is one of, if not the greatest swimmers of all time. And he says everyone should be able to feel comfortable in their own skin, but sports should be played on an even playing field. So what do you all think it's going to take for people to recognize that a biological male who has taken testosterone suppression and is competing in women's sports doesn't actually equate to an equal playing field? Well, I think most people are very on board with that. I think naturally, 
any mom who goes to a swim meet with her daughter and sees a biological male hopping in the pool to compete and then crushing her daughter is going to be really upset and go home and complain and be upset and maybe complain to the school. But when she has to deal with pushback from other parents and she has to deal with someone maybe calling her homophobic or transphobic, that's where she's going to get really concerned. And so we might be seeing less pushback than we would expect because there's so much censorship and cancel culture going on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was interested to see um, – I sort of expected a, a lot of people to be really upset with Phelps for these comments. And I was pleasantly surprised that it looked like he hasn't gotten a ton of negative pushback. Everyone's reporting what he's saying and people are kind of putting out, this is what Michael Phelps said. And I feel like everyone's standing back and like looking around like, <laughs> oh, wait, is, is someone going to go off about this? Yeah, they're like, are we going to be mad? Yeah. Let's see. Yeah. <laughs> well, we were just talking about science and I mean, it, it is science, right? Like men are born stronger and larger. I mean, you think Michael Phelps is like a whole door of a human being. <laughs> he's a large and, You know, human. he's so, like, his, like, chest is huge. His limbs are huge. Can you just imagine, like, Michael Phelps. I mean, it's <laughs> <laughs> a little weird, but, like, he's a cutie. <laughs> but, um, you know, like, uh, it, it's so, you, and then you look at a woman, and even, like, a big, strong woman is still going to be much smaller than Michael Phelps. And, yeah, I, I agree with you, Virginia, that I'm happy that people are finally realizing putting two and two together and because you think of somebody like you think of jk rowling who's made comments similar to michael phelps in her life has been you know the, the trans quote-unquote trans activists go after her every day and i'm just happy to see that finally people are having sense and they're not just running like everything is transphobic that mm-hmm. we can actually have conversations and try to figure out solutions that that empower women and don't totally throw women to the side just so one or two trans athletes can feel good about themselves. Yeah. And I think what's interesting about this entire conversation is that once you bring kids into the mix, people are willing to have more of a rational Mm -hmm. conversation than if you're talking about adults, Mm -hmm. because I've noticed people are much more willing to throw transphobic around when you're dealing with like an adult on adult um, swim, swim race or something like that. I can't speak. Swim, swim race. Swim, swim, swim meet. Thank you. <laughs> I was a swimmer, I promise. And But once you bring kids into the mix, then it slightly changes it up. So I think we, because of that dynamic, people are more willing to have this conversation. Mm-hmm. No, you're probably right. It's a lot harder to watch a young person be defeated in their race uh, by someone of the opposite gender. Um, and I, I do give props to Michael Phelps. I feel like he towed the line well with this because he addresses like, yes, of course, like we, we want people to feel comfortable in, in who they are and to yeah. feel loved and to feel accepted. Um, at the same time, sports have to be played on this equal playing field. Uh, and he even he he was asked, um, obviously, you know, for his own personal opinion and was like, well, you know, he never had was in that situation of competing with someone uh, of the opposite gender professionally. Um but he compared it to doping and he was like, well, you know, I was probably always competing against someone when I was swimming who was who was doping. So I kind of know that he implied like I, I know the frustration of feeling like, oh, I, I don't know if this is an entirely equal playing field. And it's like that. That's an interesting. That's super interesting. Yeah. 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 Good for him. I mean, if if I were him, I'd be really worried about pushback right now. I know. I know. Hopefully people stay level headed. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Yeah.
Well, on another topic, very exciting this week. Do you guys know what Friday is? Oh, sure, sure. What we do. We've been playing for two weeks. I don't know. Great acting skills. <laughs> Friday is the March for Life here in Washington, D.C. And mm-hmm. I know it's always a date that we all look forward to every year. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have already started uh, putting on layers in order to prepare <laughs> yes. for the cold. You know, <laughs> heating ourselves. Oh. I'll just be like this big marshmallow rolling around out there in the National You know Mall. what's funny? I actually, I told my family over the weekend, I was like, the March for Life is going to be so cold. And my 17-year-old brother looked at me and smirked and was like, you're going to have to bundle up and you won't be able to show off your looks. <laughs> That's hilarious. (laughs) Thank you, brother. And I was like, oh, man. (laughs) Yeah, none of us will be recognizable. (laughs) Yeah, the joke is that the March for Life is on the coldest day of the year each year, and it's going to be around like 20 degrees. And if that's not cold enough, the feels like temperature (laughs) is going to be 8 degrees. And there's like something weird when you look on your phone weather app, and it's a single digit. Like, yeah. It just looks like it's like, broken. Wait, what? Demoralizing. Uh, I literally, when I was at Walgreens this weekend, uh, I was checking out, and they had this like huge twenty pack of the hot hands, and I was like, oh. I need that. We're about to buy some. Yeah, we were just talking about it last night. Oh, I, like, I have the huge pack. So you oh, guys need oh, okay. yeah, Plus up. All right, we're good. <laughs> All set. Well, for our listeners that are like in Minnesota and Wisconsin and stuff, you know, send us any pointers that oh. you have for how we can no. survive. Yeah, there. we're a bunch you're of you're probably laughing at us right now. Yeah. <laughs> And if you're, for our Florida listeners, please give us excuses to stay inside. <laughs> <laughs> it is actually, it's 30 degrees in Florida. Oh, my, that's, my parents told wow, me, which is cold. really cold. That's yeah. very cold for yeah. Florida. That's mm-hmm. bizarre. You guys could get snow. They know we're suffering a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but we're still going to be out there. We're going to take one for the team. And honestly, like, yes, it's going to be cold. It will be worth it, though. I'm so excited to see literally thousands upon thousands of people gathered to stand for life. This is a super significant year for the March for Life. This, mm. Yeah. I mean, Lord willing, this could be the last March for Life on the National Mall. I've heard the word pivotal thrown around a lot. Wow. Mm. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, because, you know, the Roe v. Wade might be overturned this year. So if that is the case, then this is the last March for Life with Roe v. Wade which is a huge deal. Mm-hmm. I even asked uh, Jeannie Mancini, the president of the March for Life, I was like, if Roe Ro is overturned, are we still going to have the March for Life? She said, absolutely. We're going to ha- work. We're going to mm-hmm. still work to overcome abortion in many, many ways. Mm-hmm. But yeah, because it goes back to the states at that point. Right. Yeah. 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 Wow. Well, if you're here in D.C., it is a little more complicated because D.C., of course, has just implemented a vaccine mandate. And so if you are a loyal Problematic Women listener and if you're looking for somewhere to keep warm or use the restroom, we might be able to hook you up. So make sure that you DM the PW Instagram account and uh, we can tell you where, where, where you can go for a little hospitality with all the kind of crazy mandates going on. Mm-hmm. Well, and speaking of challenges that some people are running into ahead of the March for Life, one uh, conservative group has run into some issues as they've been planning their visit to D.C. Democrats for Life of America plan to hold a March for Life breakfast at the D.C. restaurant Busboys and Poets. Uh, But the restaurant canceled the reservation when they learned it was for a pro-life gathering. Uh, A spokesperson for busboys and poets said, when our team learned the fundraising nature of the event in question, the decision was made to cancel it and refund all deposits to the event organizer. And they added that the restaurant chain stands firmly on the belief 
that women have the right to make their own reproductive health decisions. And the spokesperson also said uh, that they had to cancel the event because Busboys and Poets is a quote-unquote safe space. So a restaurant in D.C. won't let a bunch of pro-life Democrats have a fundraiser breakfast at their restaurant because the restaurant is a safe space. (laughs) (laughs) So what do you all think that this says about the debate over over the life issue right now that we have a restaurant that isn't even willing to let people have have breakfast there because they're pro-life. Well, people are very, very close-minded about abortion. I mean, the Democratic Party has already said, major figures in the Democratic Party have said on multiple occasions, pro-lifers are not welcome in the party. We're not a party that accepts anything but a hard line on abortion. Um, I was honestly surprised that this group tried to go to busboys in the first place because I used to live across from a busboys and they're very, very openly liberal. But it's pretty ironic that they're going to call themselves a safe space when they're banning a group from having their breakfast there. Mm-hmm. And like these are Democrats who are pro-life. Yeah. It's, it kind of yeah. makes it even more fascinating. But yeah, like you say, if if you've ever walked into a busboys and poets, like all the art on the walls, like it's very hard to miss where they stand. Right. Right. They've got their gender neutral bathrooms. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, it's just not good. Like, I, <laughs> I know how hot take. Hot yeah. take. I, I, people always are like, oh, my gosh, this, like, local D.C. restaurant. And I go and I'm like, I'm, I'm literally eating, like, a dried chicken burger. <laughs> and they want to charge me, like, $18 while they yeah. have all this, like, social justice stuff on the wall. I, I think, honestly, Bus Boys and Poets did a favor to the Democrats uh, for Life America that they can just go find a better <laughs> restaurant. That's so true. No, I remember because I w- lived across from it in college and we were all like, oh my gosh, look, Busboys and Poets is on the list for most Instagrammable brunch in D.C. Oh, and gosh. I'm telling you that says a lot because if it was only on there for looking good, that's not a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> and then like that must be the worst list ever because I can think of like 10 spots in D.C. that's way better know, than maybe, the Busboys and Poets near Catholic. Oh, it's possible. They, like, probably paid to be on the top. Well, also, like, the places that are super cute don't always have the best food. No, like, they don't. Yeah. Well, and I feel like, too, like, the always the people who write the lists are so lazy. They just Google, like, brunch in D.C. and they're like, okay, here's the top <laughs> search results. <laughs> That's so true, man. <laughs> I should think of, like, all the places, like, on the wharf, like, in Georgetown, even over... Like on U Street, like there's just so many other nicer places. Yeah, that's so true. I mean, Catholic is great. Like there's, and especially recently, yeah, it's all right. There's been a lot more. Well, I remember when there was like nothing yeah. by Catholic. Like yeah. you literally had to go. There's a Menomale. It's this little tiny pizza place that everyone says reminds them of Italy, mm-hmm. and it's supposed to be really good. But a hot take, I don't like it. So. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell that we're all hungry? <laughs> all right. Well, hit us up if you are going to be here for the March for Life. It's going to be a wild event. Um, and if you are not going to be in D.C. for the March for Life, be sure that you're following the Daily Signal on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and you can keep up with everything that's going on. We're going to be throwing up lots and lots of content tomorrow. All right. So now stay tuned for the crowning of our Problematic Woman of the Week. It's easy to get overwhelmed by the 24-7 news cycle. So if you're looking for a way to keep up with the news that matters – The Daily Signal podcast brings you the top news of the day. Hosts Doug Blair, Rob Bluey, and me, Virginia Allen, bring you headlines and interviews with lawmakers, authors, and conservative activists. If you're a conservative who wants to be on top of the news, check out the Daily Signal podcast available every weekday morning. Now it is that time, once again, my favorite time of the week, time to crown our problematic woman of the week. 
the crown goes to Susan B. Anthony. Ooh. (laughs) Susan B. Anthony is one of the great female leaders in history. She fought for women to have the right to vote and was a strong advocate for the family. Anthony opposed abortion and today is really the model for a woman who was willing to say what needed to be said, not because it was popular, but because it was the right thing to say. She lived from 1820 to 1906, but her life is still inspiring to us because she fought for the rights that we as women enjoy today. And now it is our job to fight for the rights of every unborn girl and boy that does not have a voice. Man, such a deserving woman. Susan B. Anthony, she really lived an incredible life. If you don't know much about her, look her up. Um Yeah, very, very, very worthy Problematic Woman of the Week. Again, this week, if you are here for the March for Life, let us know. And if you're not, follow The Daily Signal across all social media platforms so you can keep up with what's going on. Mary Margaret, thank you so much for joining us. It's always so fun to have you in the studio. I just love talking to these problematic (laughs) women in here. So many problematic women at Heritage. And with that, that's going to be it for this week's edition of Problematic Women. Join us next Thursday morning for a brand new edition. And in the meantime, please subscribe and share. You can also join us before next Thursday on Tuesday for one of our interview editions of Problematic Women. Conservatives need your support in the podcast world, and we would greatly appreciate a five-star review on Spotify, CastBox, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. It really does make a difference have a great rest of your week a great weekend and we will see you tuesday and then again next thursday problematic women is brought to you by more than half a million members of the heritage foundation it is a product of the daily signal produced by lauren evans and virginia allen special thanks to our editor-in-chief katrina trinko we produce problematic women in remembrance of our dear friend and former co-host brie payton